Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, I'm going to be continued doing the divisional previews. I'm going to do each and every single division. Today, I'm going to be previewing the AFC North, possibly one of, if not the best division in all of football. Really, really competitive. I genuinely think this is another conference just like the NFC North, where everyone has a shot of winning it, each and every team. I think each team made really good offseason moves. I like a lot of the team's drafts. Um, but we're going to get into all that, so let's just get straight into it. Not going to be a very long intro here. You guys already know the formula for these things if you listen to the last one. I'm going to break breaking down each team, their offseason moves, some of their offseason losses, what I like about what they've done, what I don't like, and then I'm going to do a record prediction. So we're going to start off with the Ravens here, and then we're going to go all the way down to the Cincinnati Bengals last. There's going to be timestamps down below if you just want to skip to your favorite team segment. Feel free to go ahead and do that, and without further ado, let's get into it. guys so as i mentioned in the intro we're going to be starting with the baltimore ravens the baltimore ravens made a lot of moves this offseason they made a bunch of noise obviously the number one story coming out of baltimore was lamar jackson and the contract dispute was a very very big deal for a long time they ended up getting it done and out of the way he's getting 51 dollars 51 dollars 51 million dollars 51 dollars would be a steal 51 million dollars annually for lamar jackson he was the highest paid quarterback for a a couple days there. I don't exactly know how long it was, but until Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert got paid, obviously that ended up changing. But Lamar Jackson back on the team. And let's get into some other additions they've made. I guess Lamar wasn't really an addition, more so just continuing to have him on the team. But nevertheless, that was technically a free agency acquisition. So you can call it an addition if you want. I'm going to look up their roster really quick just so I can have it in front of me. I should have done this beforehand. My bad. Um, whoa. So hopefully my computer doesn't do that again. Anyways, offseason additions include Odell Beckham Jr., obviously one of the biggest names in free agency. Hadn't played football in a very, very long time since tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl. And hasn't really had a good year in about three or four years now. But we know what he can do when he is healthy. He obviously showed it in the Super Bowl over a year ago at this point. So that he still has something left in the tank. I'm not going to be drafting him on NML Fantasy League simply because I just don't trust the injury concern, but for what they're paying him, it was a one-year $15 million contract. That's a really, really good value for Odell as far as his point of view. I think the team overpaid him just a little bit, but again, you're really betting on the explosiveness and you're betting on him to stay healthy. I have a feeling they're going to limit his snaps and try and keep him around so he is healthy by the playoffs. That's really when you need him most. But either way, in this offense, it should be really fun. Him, Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers, someone who they drafted coming out of Boston College. I wasn't quite as high on Zay Flowers as some other guys, but I totally understand the hype and I totally get where they're coming from. He's got it all. I mean, he's got really, really good speed. He can make contested catches despite his size. He's a good route runner, can run basically any route there is. And in this type of offense where he's going to be that motion guy, that Z receiver, it's just a really good fit for him or even playing out of the slot. He can do both. And him and Bateman and Odell make for a really dynamic, fast receiving core when they are on the field. Of course, the main concern is really just injuries. Rashad Bateman dealt with his own, you know, excuse me, dealt with his own uh, array of injuries last year. I believe it was a, a foot that kept him out for a long time last year. I can't remember exactly what the injury was. Um, 
but he did miss a lot of time. Odell obviously missed a lot of time in the past. Zay Flowers, smaller receiver. So there's, even though he's had no injuries in college, that always becomes a concern when guys are just smaller. And I mean, it's pretty fair, but that starting three is really dynamic, especially with Greg Roman taking over as offensive coordinator. This offense could look very different from years past. Obviously we know the Ravens bread and butter is running the ball, but it's really power running and bunching everyone up together at the line of scrimmage, using three tight end sets sometimes. Uh, you know, having everyone very close to the ball. Greg Roman was known at Georgia for spreading things out, getting receivers out in space, and letting the quarterback really just be a point guard out there and pick his spots. Lamar could have one of his best passing years we've seen since his MVP year where he threw 36 touchdowns. Um, you still can expect him to run a lot, and you still can expect, you know, the Ravens to run a lot in general and work off play action, but Nevertheless, it could be a very looking, very different looking offense. And I will say it is exciting to see this type of offensive mind come in with these types of weapons. I mean, it really could make for very explosive plays because Rashad Bateman, people forget, he is really damn good when he's healthy. He was a stud last year before he got hurt. Zay Flowers, of course, can turn it on. Of course, Odell Beckham Jr., we know how good he can be. So, could be a really exciting offense there. As far as defensively goes, Let's get into some of their free agent acquisitions. I'm kind of just jumping all over the place. Let's get a little more structured here. So obviously they signed Odell Beckham Jr., but they also signed Rocky Sin and Trayvon Mullen to help out on the back end. They also just signed Ronald Darby yesterday. If you're listening to this, it might be a few days ago, but um, if you're listening to this on the 18th, he signed yesterday. Ronald Darby, very solid cornerback, been in the league a lot of times, seen a lot of different things. Rocky Sin is a very good man-to-man cornerback, fits what they want to do there. And then Trayvon Mullen, he was also very good, but both of these guys dealt with injuries last year. Again, this is a really big theme for the Baltimore Ravens. It's if they can stay healthy. I think their ceiling is incredibly high. It might even be as high as like 13-4, and 14-3. and three. Um, But I just can't bet on them staying healthy because these are guys that have had a long past um, history of injuries and even as it sits right now they added Rocky Sin, Trayvon Mullen and Ronald Darby to help out with their cornerback depth because they were already dealing with some injuries in camp. Rocky Sin has been beat up already. Marlon Humphrey is dealing with an injury. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think they expect him to be good, go, good to go by the beginning of the year but still you don't want those lingering injuries sitting around. Marlon Humphrey he is a all pro level cornerback but he has dealt with his fair share of injuries in the past so Again, it really just depends on how this team can keep it together and if they can all stay healthy. And obviously, you, I, I'm not betting on anyone to get hurt. I would never wish anyone to get hurt. That's not what I'm saying at all. But if you're playing the odds game, I feel like there's a higher chance that they're going to have some injury problems than they stay healthy all year long. And that's not me being negative. That's just That's literally just reading off the facts and what I think is most likely to happen based on history's past. Um, history's past. I don't think that's a saying based on the past. I can just say the past. Um, but regardless, we know how good they can be if they stay healthy in free agency. They also lost Ben powers, a guard, which may be slightly concerning because Sala, uh, I don't know how the fuck to say this guy's name. I'm just going to be completely honest. I think it's Sala Umave. I could be saying that wrong. He's a guard from Oregon taking the sixth round. He might be their day one starter, which is definitely a little bit of a concern when you have a guy who's that. I think it's Umave Lalu, Lalu or is it Lalu? Lalu? I don't I don't remember his exact name. Um, I have it right in front of me, but I just can't pronounce it. So if one of you guys know, and you're probably just 
cringing your ass off, you know, let me know. But very good guard out of Oregon. Problem is he's a rookie. Rookies tend to have, you know, their ups and downs in their first year, especially, you know, adjusting to a new system. So could be a little bit shaky on the interior of the offensive line there. But besides that, I mean, they've, they've got a really great offensive line there. Tyler Linderbaum, one of my absolute favorite players coming out of the draft a couple years ago. He's going to be a stud for a very long time. They still have Ronnie Stanley there at left tackle. Still have Kevin Zeitler at the right guard spot. And then Mo, Mo, Morgan, Morgan Moses, Jesus fucking Christ, at right tackle. He's a stud there as well. They also drafted Andrew Voorhees much later in the draft, I believe in the sixth or seventh round. He would have gone earlier than that if he didn't tear his ACL, I believe it was, during the combine. Still put up 34 reps on the bench press. Really impressive stuff. And he's a really, really polished guard. Was in college for a very long time. Took advantage of the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Of the eligibility changes during COVID because you could stay in college much longer during COVID because of the lost years and all that type of stuff, the lost games, lost opportunities. So Andrew Voorhees, a very, very polished guard. Um, he's not probably going to see the field this year, but by this time next year, he'll be a very big name. I'm sure people will be talking a lot about him in camp. Other than that, they also drafted Trenton Simpson. I love that fit at the linebacker position. He's honestly kind of similar to Patrick Queen in the way that they're just athletic freaks that can fly sideline to sideline, but he's got a little more weight to him. And honestly, he probably might even be a little more explosive. I think he easily beats out Patrick Queen by the end of the year. I don't know if day one, he's going to be the immediate starter at that inside linebacker spot next to Roquan Smith, but I expect by the end of the year, Trenton Simpson is going to be seeing the field a lot. Even if it's just as a blitzer, he's a fantastic blitzer. You can put him in a lot of different spots. And I just love the way that he can develop, especially next to Roquan Smith, learning from Roquan Smith. I think they can both bring out the best in each other. And I really, really, I think that might be my favorite pick of their entire draft. The Zay Flowers is a really fun pick, but I think the Trenton Simpson, just where they took him and the value they got him at is a better pick. Genuinely, I think that. They also took Tavius Robinson, who's an edge out of Ole Miss. Not the biggest deal. Just kind of a swing. Excuse me, goddamn. There it is. <laughs> um, there's kind of a swing pass rusher that might come in on later downs. They also drafted Caillou Blue Kelly, a cornerback out of Stanford. Again, adding more depth to that DB room because they desperately need it. Um, been dealing with injuries already, and it really might affect how they come into the season. Regardless, there's a lot to look forward to if you are a Ravens fan. Obviously, to recap, just want to bring up one more time, their offense could look very, very different. I love what they're doing excuse me, um, on that side of the ball, I love bringing Lamar back. You have to bring Lamar back, right? There's just not really a choice. I love a lot of their weapons. Um, honestly, I like their roster as a whole. Good offensive line. It's been solid for a really long time. It's going to be great next year again. Love their linebacker unit with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and now Trent Simpson coming in. If their cornerbacks can stay healthy, that's an elite group. Amazing safeties. Kyle Hamilton was a amazing rookie last year one of my absolute favorite rookies coming out of the draft a year ago a year ago they just absolutely nailed their draft and one more guy i want to talk about before i get out of here tyus bowser has been dealing with injuries at, at um god damn at strong side linebacker and obviously they play a 3-4 defense so their outside linebackers are really pass rushers so i think it's really time for david ojabo to come in command you know this locker room command this defense and i really think he's going to have a breakout year this year Obviously, very highly touted prospect coming out of college, coming out of Michigan, playing opposite of Aiden Hutchinson last year. But during the pre-draft process, I can't remember if it was an ACL 
or what it was, but he got injured, was out basically the entirety of the year. He played very, very little snaps towards the end of the year, but very highly touted prospect and has a lot of look to look forward to. Pretty raw as far as pass rush, but just an absolute freak athletically. And the Ravens can definitely make the most of him, kind of similar to an Adafi Owe, where it's just a lot of tools and a lot to look forward to. And his sack numbers honestly weren't bad at all in college. So David Ojabo, I really think, is going to be taking over as a starter. Could have a breakout year. Definitely worth mentioning his name. But again, he's dealt with injuries. Hopefully you can stay healthy. This is a team that was very hard to predict what their record was going to be. Their over-under is sitting at 10.5 wins on the season. I took the under very slightly because I think I just have to... I have to take a little bit away from them just based on injuries. I mean, they're dealing with so many injuries already. As the year goes on, I don't think it's going to get any better. Once you're playing real football, you're taking hits each and every single week. Um, it's a brutal sport, and I don't think it's going to be very forgiving to this team. Still have them going 10-7, and seven, so it's still a really solid record. Could easily still make the playoffs, but... Don't have him winning the division this year. I still think the Bengals take that crown. I guess I just spoiled the segment later on, but that's okay. <laughs> Anyways, the Baltimore Ravens definitely have a very, very... They've got a very... Um, what am I trying to say? I wouldn't say too low of a floor. They have a very high ceiling. That's what I'm trying to say. Their swing, their difference in games, depending on who stays healthy and what happens, it could be a very large swing between... Obviously, like... If they have a ton of cornerback injuries, that could be a major concern, especially in the division that they're playing in, given that if Deshaun Watson is anything like the Deshaun Watson that we've known from past, he's a great quarterback. Joe Burrow, great quarterback. We expect Kenny Pickett to take steps forward, and even if he doesn't, they have great receivers over there. George Pickens, Allen Robinson, um, Deontay Johnson, those, those, they're going to give those guys problems if they're not healthy and well. So... Have them going 10 and 7. I'm not going to read out the whole schedule like I did last time because it's just kind of a waste of time. And I don't think you guys care that much. But just for the record, I do have them losing to the Steelers. I'm just going to go over the divisional games really quick. Um, I have them beating the Bengals in Cincinnati week two because there's the, the Bengals always seem to start kind of slow. I have them losing to the Browns in Cleveland. I have them losing to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And then I have them... Beating the Browns at home, beating the Steelers at home, I believe. Where is that one? Yep, beating the Steelers at home week 17. And yeah. Oh, and then losing to the Bengals in week, what would that be? Week 11 at home. So kind of a weird prediction there, but I just think that that's how it goes. Football is very unpredictable, so we'll see what ends up happening. Let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion... The Pittsburgh Steelers had the best draft out of any team in the NFL this past season. They fucking killed it. So I'm going to start right there. I'm not going to do their offseason additions. I'm going to do that after I talk about the draft. Because, holy fuck, the amount of steals they were able to get was fucking ridiculous. Broderick Jones at 18, that was kind of... I mean, it was good. It was a good pick. It was it addressed a need. They need a tackle. This guy's got a lot of athleticism. Really good run blocker in the space. Has some polishing up to do in the pass game, but... Nevertheless, getting your hopefully franchise right tackle at that pick makes total sense. Pick, excuse me, it was a uh, need pick. Totally makes sense why they did it there. I think they traded up to do it, actually. I think they traded up with the Patriots. Um, Patriots ended up fucking over the Jets because the Jets were hoping to land that tackle. 
anyways, it was a great pick. Totally fits what they're trying to do. It was not only a need pick, but it's also just a good player. I'm not saying it was the best player available, but when you're com when you're combining addressing a need and getting a quality player, that really is the best way to draft. They also got Joey Porter, son of Joey Porter Sr., Steelers legend at cornerback and Joey Porter is going to be a fantastic cornerback in this league. I have no doubt about it. He is so long, so lengthy, amazing in press. Kind of looks like Sauce Gardner out there just with how long he is and how he's able to make up ground. Even when you have him beat, his arms are so long, he can always get in there. Crazy, crazy wingspan. Got like a 99th percentile wingspan at the, at the combine or something. If you listen to my cornerback rankings when I was going over the um, the during the draft process, I talked about Joey Porter a lot. I was really, really high on Joey Porter. I like him a lot. Coming out of Penn State, fantastic player. Really, really good pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And again, was addressing a position of need. So it makes a lot of sense there. I'm going to pull up their depth chart because I forgot to do it again. It's right here. Okay, cool. Um, And this team is just fucking loaded. They have so much talent everywhere the more I look at it. But the fact that you have Patrick Peterson at one cornerback spot and Joey Porter at the other, and you're going to have Joey Porter learning from one of the best cornerbacks in this generation is just so crucial for his development. Patrick Peterson's one of those players that even though he hasn't really been himself the past few years, last year he really did turn it up to another level and led a young Viking secondary in interceptions and just really led them on and off the field. You can tell he was a really good leader for that team. I think he's going to do something very similar here for Joey Porter and even Levi Wallace, who I still think is a very good cornerback with a lot of potential in this league. Um, so as a fit, I absolutely love that signing. Love this draft pick. They also drafted Keanu Benton, nose tackle slash three tech slash whatever the fuck you want him to do out of Wisconsin. He is fantastic. He can do it all. He has underrated pass rush potential, really good at stopping the run, really disruptive player was super, super high on him. Um, was a player that I was really, really hoping the bears were going to end up getting, but nevertheless, he ended up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Another player that I really wanted the bears to get was Darnell Washington. That is going to be a really, really fun player. I mean, he is just a freak of nature. What he was able to do at the combine as far as numbers goes, it really just shows that he's more than just a run blocker, which obviously is his bread and butter. That's what he's known for. He's a fantastic, and I mean fantastic run blocker. Like he's like a having a 6-0 lineman out there at times. He's going to be able to carry that over to the league. Um, he's going to be able to chip edges really well, blitzing linebackers. He's going to be able to contain it all. He's a fantastic, fantastic player and can possibly grow in the pass game. But even if he doesn't, get in him as your fourth player that you've taken. I think they got him in the third round. If he's just an elite pass blocker slash run blocker, that's all you fucking need him for. Nick Herbig, another pick coming out of Wisconsin, pass rush specialist, extremely undersized, but really good at just one thing, and that one thing is getting to the quarterback. Kind of reminds me of a Hassan Reddick type, and I think this in this coaching staff with Mike Tomlin and these defensive minds, I think they're going to know exactly how to use him, and just learning from TJ Watt and some of the other guys on this roster, like Alex Highsmith, who already <laughs> you know proved that he's learned a lot from TJ Watt and really had a breakout year last year for them. Um, I think it's a really good fit. And I love what they're doing there. Corey Trice Jr. Pulling out a sixth round. I think he was a sixth round pick. He might've even been a seventh round pick. Cornerback out of Purdue. This is another guy similar to Joey Porter. Just extremely long, extremely athletic. I really don't know 
why he fell as far as he did because this tape is pretty fucking good too he only allowed one touchdown in coverage last year according to pff basically every time i reference a stat like that it's from pff just know that um but Corey trice jr fantastic athlete makes it look super easy out there just very fluid and really really good fit for the pittsburgh steelers again addressing a position of need and whoa dogs barking sorry if you can do that um seventh round pick yeah 63206 51.3 passer rating allowed only allowed 220 yards in coverage one touchdown to two picks amazing impressed coverage so i mean him going forward and joey porter going forward as their future at cornerback at least how i see it going against jamar chase t higgins you know some of these other guys in the division like amari cooper uh, elijah moore those types of guys it's going to be really 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 fun to watch these matchups and they legitimately might have landed five starters in this draft and broderick jones joey porter keanu benton darnell washington those guys are going to start right Corey trice might start <laughs> it's ridiculous how good this team is and how well they killed their draft maybe it's not ridiculous how good this team is i shouldn't you know absolutely fucking jinx them but their roster is set to win now kenny pickett hopefully can take that that step forward his second year during the offseason and growing with his young receivers like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens because man this team can be fucking dangerous and I just love their coaching staff I love the way the Steelers run just their team as a whole it's just such a functional organization and the Bears could definitely learn a thing or two from that so let's jump back to the offseason additions because they actually really did have some good signings as well first big signing that I really want to point out because i think it's going under the radar a little bit isaac salamalo sal salmalu salmelo i don't know exactly how to pronounce his name but he's a guard that came out of philadelphia played over a thousand snaps for the nfc championship champions last year at right guard only allowed one sack again via pff so take it with a grain of salt not all these numbers are exactly accurate patrick peterson obviously coming in to replace cam sutton that was a very big loss and then of course address that's that loss as well in the draft alan robinson coming in who i still think he has something left in the tank i think that you know botched experience with the rams was not on him and i still think he can be a good receiver even if you know he's gonna be more wide receiver three there's not a lot of pressure on him which i think is a good thing i think george pickens is really going to be the one well deontay johnson and him will probably be like 1a 1b on this team but alan robinson being more of like the second or third option i think will help him a lot Keanu Neal coming in, veteran safety slash linebacker, going to be able to teach these guys a lot of things. I just like that from, again, from a veteran and coaching move, I think it's a really smart move. Cole Holcomb coming in and replacing Devin Bush slash Miles Jack because, you know, they've had a little bit of a problem at linebacker. That's been one of the major issues of the Pittsburgh Steelers of the past years. They also brought in Quan Alexander. So I think him and Cole Holcomb will probably be the starting inside linebackers for him. Still probably their biggest, weakest on their team, but Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb, they can get it done. They can definitely get it done, especially in this system, especially with the guys in front of them. I mean, their fucking D-line is so loaded. They have Armin Watts, who they signed. Um, he's an absolute unit of a guy. DeMarvin Leal, someone I was really high on coming out of the draft a couple years ago. Uh, TJ Watt, obviously. Cameron Hayward, Keanu Benton, Larry Ogunjobi. That is a great unit. I mean, fantastic unit. And when you have a great defensive line, it makes the linebackers' jobs a lot easier. Keeps them clean, keeps them unblocked, and lets them fly around and get to the ball. So again, if Pickett takes us forward, this team is going to be very dangerous. Frankly, this team, I think this team is just so loaded. 
And I think this roster gives every other team in the AFC North a run for their money. Their over-under is at 8.5, which just feels criminally low to me, and I would absolutely slam that if you're into sports betting at all. I just don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it, and I don't want some major injury to happen to pick it or something like that, but... I really do believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. I have them going 11 and six. I also have them winning their first, what, seven games? Yeah, I have them winning their first seven games. I don't have their first loss until the Jaguars, which is just, again, people might be like, well, they're gonna be the fucking Jaguars, but the Jaguars might be really damn good this year. And you never know, it's the NFL. Weird shit always happens. The fucking commanders beat the Eagles when they were eight and zero last year. It's shit like that, you know what I mean? So. You just never really know. Um, some of these divisional games are going to get really, really close, but I really think the Steelers just come out hot. I love their coaching staff. Never, ever count out Mike Tomlin. I think Kenny Pickett does take that step forward next year with his receivers. So 11-6. and six. Sorry about the barking. 11-6 and six for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's get into, let's talk Browns next. I did say I was going to do Bengals last, so let's get into the Browns. All right, the Cleveland Browns. This is a team that, I'm trying not to get too on the hype train because it is Cleveland. They always find a way to fuck shit up. Um, I'm hoping they don't. Obviously, any Cleveland fans that are living out there, living out there, listening out there, I'm not wishing anything but the best for you guys. But I can't say with my whole heart that I trust this team as much as I trust some of these other teams in this division, especially because there haven't been the best reports about Deshaun Watson coming out of camp. But I mean... This team is so good, and they're so ready ready to win now. I loved what they did this free agency. I loved the signings they made. I loved that they traded for Zadarius Smith. Still has a ton left in the tank, and playing across from Miles Garrett, it's only going to make him better. He had 84 pressures last year for the Minnesota Vikings. I loved what they did in the draft. Um, you know, as far as value picks, because obviously they didn't have early picks. They made a ton of trades. Deshaun Watson, you know, still um, giving up first-round picks for him. But I mean, considering that their first pick was at 74, the fact that they got Cedric Tillman there, if you listen to my wide receiver rankings, you know I was very high on him. Probably just, I saw him and Jalen Hyatt like basically at the same level. Obviously they have a very, very different skill set, but I think Cedric Tillman can really be a true X in this league. I love what he's able to do as far as contested catches go and just moving the chains. He gave Keely Ringo a really hard time when they played Georgia. And then Siaki Ika at 98, nose tackle out of Baylor. That's another really, really great value pick. I was really surprised that he was still there. Dewan Jones at 111, right tackle coming out of Ohio State. I know he has some injury concerns, and he's just so damn big that I think it concerned a lot of teams because players that big just tend to get injured a lot. We see that a lot in basketball and other sports as well. But to get him at 111 for that type of risk is totally worth it in my opinion. DTR at 140, I loved that pick when they made it. I was super high on DTR. I thought 1000% if he was there in the third round for San Francisco, they were gonna take him. They ended up taking a kicker instead and the kicker missed two kicks in the preseason game. So I really think that decision is gonna come back to bite in the ass. DTR has looked fantastic throughout the preseason. I'm a big DTR guy, watched him a lot at UCLA. Really, really like his potential in the league. Getting him at 140 is an absolute steal, especially backing up Deshaun Watson. They've got pretty similar play styles, and I think he can pick up a lot from Deshaun. And then Luke Weipler, Whipler, Weipler, I don't really know, at 190, round six. That is a fantastic pick as well. He's only going to be a true center, a little bit limited in terms of his frame. Kind of has like a Garrett Bradbury type of vibe where his ceiling isn't going to be crazy high, but the fact that you get him at 190, 
how, right? Like how, I don't know how the fuck they did that. And of course, keeping two local guys at a, from Ohio state in the state, as far as Dewan Jones and Luke Weipler playing together at Ohio state now coming to Cleveland together, uh, really, really like both of those pickups for the draft. As far as free agency goes, I think they did a really good job as well, adding Dalvin Tomlinson, another Minnesota Viking, you know, now again, next to his former teammate and Zadarius Smith, teammates once again, reunited. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, he's a really, really big guy, kind of comes off more as a nose tackle, but he actually is a legitimate pass rusher and he can also stop the run. This defensive line has some really, really good talent on it between him, Zadarius, and Miles Garrett. They also signed Okong... Caronquo, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, Charles Oconquo. Okay, I'm just going to say Charles. They signed Charles from <laughs> the Houston Texans. Actually started playing significantly significant snaps at the end of the year and really turned it on. I was really surprised that the Texans let this guy walk. It seems like a guy that they wanted you know, to keep around, homegrown guy that they brought into their building. But I guess they couldn't agree on a contract. Maybe he just didn't want to stay in Houston. Don't really know the whole story. But either way, bring him in the building. Really good you know, rotation in the pass rush behind Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett. When they're going to be off the field, this guy's in. You're not going to lose too much production there. Um, they also re-signed Ethan Pochich, three-year, $18 million deal at safety. I was fucking bummed when they got that steal of a contract on this guy. I really wanted the Bears to go after him. He's a fantastic center, one of the best centers in the entire league. And they're only paying him $6 million a year to stay in Cleveland. That's fucking crazy. I don't know what <laughs> type of magic bullshit, or maybe he just really likes Cleveland. I don't really know how that ended up working out, but three for 18 is an absolute steal for someone of his caliber. He's legitimately an all pro level center. He is fantastic. Really, really good steal there for the Cleveland Browns. They also signed a couple safeties in Juan Thornhill, Thornhill and Rodney McLeod. I can't pronounce names today, bro. It's kind of a problem. I'm going to sip of my Celsius and hopefully wake me up. Ah... What flavor Celsius do you guys like most? Let me know. <laughs> Anyways, they signed a couple safeties because they have had some safety injuries. Grant Delpit has just been not been able to stay on the field for them at all. I'm looking up their depth chart if you can hear me typing. And then they also, um, I guess they lost some safeties too. Because Grant Delpit and Juan Thornhill slated to be the starters right now. One thing that does really concern me about this roster, uh, sticking with their secondary for a second, is their cornerback depth. I, Denzel Ward has been dealing with injuries during training camp, as has Greg Newsome. And beyond that, I really don't see a lot. Martin Emerson actually had a pretty good rookie year for him, and there is some you know potential to look forward to there. But then it's A.J. Green the third after that, not you know that A.J. Green, different A.J. Green, Lorenzo Burns, and Mike Ford. So really not a lot to write home about beyond that. And I still think they could... I'm, I was really thinking that they were going to be the ones to sign Ronald Darby. Obviously, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe that was a tactical move to, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, to get them away. Or not the Pittsburgh Steelers, sorry. The Baltimore Ravens. Maybe it was a tactical move to get him away from a divisional rival. But the Cleveland's window is really right now to win. I mean, if you just look at the age of some of their players, Nick Chubb's 27, Amari Cooper's 29, Miles Garrett's 27. Obviously, they added DJ Moore, added Cedric Tillman, still have Donovan Peoples-Jones and Marquise Goodwin. Incredible offensive line. If Deshaun Watson can just be a great facilitator and a great game manager, this team is going to win a lot of games. If Deshaun Watson looks like the Deshaun Watson of last year, this team will not win as many games. But regardless, this roster is fucking stacked. They are totally ready to win now. They just got to turn it on. And again, as long as Deshaun is not ass and he can just manage a game, this team is going to be competitive in basically every single game. Um, 
they're stacked. Their window is basically this year and maybe the year after that because these guys aren't getting any younger. Not that they're old, but I mean, that really is 27 for a running back. That's your peak. 29 for a receiver. That's like, that's basically your peak. Miles Garrett, 27 for a pass rusher. That's your peak. Obviously, give or take a couple years, but I mean, it is now or never for the Cleveland Browns. They're all in there, invest in this league in this year. Excuse me. And yeah, I mean, I really don't see a reason why they can't do it if Deshaun Watson is just at all like the Deshaun Watson that we know. And beyond that, I really would say their biggest, I already mentioned their cornerback depth, and that is one of their biggest weaknesses, but their linebackers really don't blow you away. Not that linebackers are too important in today's NFL anyways, but Anthony Walker, Sione Takitaki, and Jeremiah Wusu koromoa Jeremiah definitely highlights the most out of those three, but it's not like he's a true linebacker anyways he's kind of more he's like a weak side linebacker and he plays more deep he plays more like a safety or like a robber type of role than a true linebacker and Sione Takitaki there is something to look forward to there but hasn't really had a crazy amount of success in the league thus far so nothing to write home about with all that being said the Cleveland Browns over under win total is a nine and a half I think that is just right I would like the the odds makers absolutely nailed it on that one I could I think they're going to win 9 or 10 games. I really do. It's going to be one of those two numbers. I really think so. Um, I have them going 10 and 7. I'm a little bit more optimistic. Obviously, you're picking up a vibe that this <laughs> this division, just like the NFC North, very competitive. All these records are going to be very, very close. You can you know flame me for it and say I'm playing it safe. Maybe I am. I don't fucking care. It's called strategy, <laughs> and I don't want to look like an absolute idiot in these pods. So let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, the Cincinnati Bengals, AFC North champions a year ago. Think they're going to win it again. As long as Burrow's going to be there, this is going to be a really damn good football team. Obviously, the main storyline coming out of camp right now is the Burrow calf strain. I feel like they're going to be completely fine. As long as they slow play him and nothing gets re-aggravated, he's going to start by week one. I'm really not that concerned about it. Obviously, it's pretty important if it's on your plant foot you know you can't really plant put all the power into your leg but i really do think he's going to be fine they haven't made that big of a deal out of it and obviously they're keeping it under the wraps intentionally they're not going to share too much information with the public but i genuinely am not very concerned this is a smart team they know their franchise guy joe always seems ready to play no matter the circumstances so i think even if he is sitting right now and not getting the practice reps he knows his receivers so well. We've seen him be consistently, you know, good with them. I think they're going to be just fine. I'm not very concerned about the calf strain at all. They also normally tend to start the year slow anyways, so might just add to that effect, if anything, but I'm, I'm really not that concerned about it. As far as free agency goes, they added Orlando Brown, which was obviously their biggest pickup of the offseason, getting him on a four-year, $64 million contract. That's a really, really great move for him. Needs a little bit of work as a run blocker, but fantastic pass blocker. Obviously been a premier left tackle in this league for many years now. And it was definitely a position of need for the Cincinnati Bengals. They've had offensive line issues since Joe Burrow has been there. Jonah Williams definitely not cutting it. Sounds like he's going to be moving to right tackle, so we'll see how that ends up working out for him. Orlando Brown going to be their starting left tackle, moving back to left tackle, because I think he was a right tackle last year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Either way, also signed Nick Scott, a pretty underrated safety there out of L.A., coming from the Rams. He's going to be their starting safety immediately. They also drafted... God, excuse me. They also drafted Jordan Battle, safety out of Alabama, who has some range. 
and some flexibility on the back end. They signed Boogie Basham, who never really ended up working out for the Buffalo Bills, but getting him on a really cheap contract and just trying to make it work with him. Totally understand what they're going for there. And then they also took a chance on Irv Smith, another guy similar to Boogie Basham, where it's just kind of like, why not just throw a dart at a wall? He was had a lot of hype coming out of college, coming out of Alabama, just has dealt with a lot of injuries. But if it hits, you know, this tight end isn't a position that the Bengals exactly like value to the utmost. That is the reason why they let Hayden Hurst walk in free agency. But Irv Smith can definitely get it done. Very interested to see how he ends up performing there. Cody Ford, another signing at guard, helping their depth. I don't think he's going to be a starter for him. I think, God, excuse me. I think it's still going to be Alex Kappa and uh, Cordell Volson, I believe, is going to be the other starter there. Uh, sorry if you can hear my dog barking. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but kind of going nuts out there. Um, but adding some depth and, again, taking away from the Buffalo Bills. It's funny that they signed all these guys that came from, like, the Chiefs and the Bills and it's just like they're just taking away from their rivals it's actually like a pretty funny and cool strategy they also re-signed Jermaine Pratt who's a very very underrated linebacker helped him a lot during their Super Bowl run and they got him on an absolute steal I think it was a three-year 18 million dollar contract really really good value contract there guy who knows their system guy who's proven that he's worth the money playing next to Logan Wilson those guys are both fantastic this is where the concerns start to come in. They lost a lot of guys in their secondary. They lost a lot of DBs, particularly Jesse Bates, obviously an all-pro level safety. Dax Hill is going to come in and have really, really big shoes to fill, but Dax Hill is a fantastic safety himself. Came out of the draft a year ago, coming out of Michigan. People were really, really high on him, including myself. So I think they're going to be not, you know, there's not going to be uh what am I trying to say? It's not like the drop-off is going to be like a total cliff. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to be able to pick up some of what Jesse, ba Jesse Bates left behind. Obviously, when an all-pro level player, you're not going to get the exact production out of someone like Dax Hill, especially a guy who's only his second year in the league. But I still think there's a lot to look forward to, and I really like how they've drafted the past couple years. Cam Taylor Britt, out of, I believe it was Nebraska last year, played fantastic football for them down the stretch. So I think there's still a lot to look forward to. They still have Shadobia Wuzie, who did miss some time last year, but when he's playing, he's fantastic. Obviously also drafted DJ Turner, who is another very, very twitched up cornerback. Um, I think he's a little bit underrated. I think people kind of just saw him as like a speedster and didn't really watch how good he was at Michigan, but man, this dude is fluid and explosive and he can keep up with anybody. Side to side, if anybody can turn hips with anybody, he is fantastic. I really, really like that move there. I'm gonna pause this really quick because my fucking dogs won't shut up. All right, where was I? I think I was talking about Shadobia Wuzie and just their cornerbacks uh, as a whole. So obviously they still have Shadobia Wuzie. Kane Taylor Britt's gonna start opposite of him. Mike Hilton is one of the best nickels in the entire league. He is fantastic. So I really do think that they're secondary, even though it lost some big names in Jesse Bates, Von Bell, Eli Apple. I really don't think they're going to lose much of what they had going last year. This is an incredibly underrated secondary that just got younger and cheaper, and I think they're going to be good for a really long time. So I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be just fine. I'm really not concerned of some of the reports coming out of camp and may have some growing pains early, but this is a team just with so much talent, we know how good they can be. It's, I mean, I really don't know what else to say about Cincinnati because we've just seen it in the past. We know how good they can be. We've seen them be continuously good. And 
I think the sustained success is just going to continue. Really, the biggest storyline that I'm concerned out of Cincinnati is how are they going to pay all these guys? You know, Jamar, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, they're all due for contracts very soon. I think they're eligible this year. So that's going to be the next biggest storyline coming out of Cincinnati. But as long as Joe Burrow's there, as long as Jamar Chase is there, this is going to be a team that's very competitive. And obviously, they've done a really good job building a team around them defensively, offensively. I love their defensive line depth. I think it's really, really underrated just how good they are. DJ Reader, BJ Hill, Trey Hendrickson, and Sam Hubbard, those are their starters. Fantastic, right? Love those guys. All four of them, very, very good quality starters. All made plays for them during critical moments. Obviously, Sam Hubbard had that fumble return for a touchdown last year. Trey Henderson has come up with clutch sack after clutch sack. BJ Hill has had his fair of share plays. He um, had a really big play against the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game a couple years ago. And then Joseph Osai really showed what he was about at the end of the year last year. Obviously, known for that penalty against Patrick Mahomes that moved him forward 15 more yards. Uh, don't want to see that. But besides that, he was really productive at the end of the year for them there. Miles Murphy, uh, end of the first round draft pick for them. Fantastic player. Really, really freaky athlete for his size. Uh, 6'5", 275, has inside-outside versatility. So their depth there is fantastic. Great linebackers in Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt, and a really underrated secondary, as well as an improved offensive line with Orlando Brown. Cincinnati Bengals are going to be Super Bowl contenders once more. Their over-under win total is at 11.5. This isn't really a team that's known for their regular season performances. They're known more so for the playoffs and upsets and that kind of stuff. So I only have them winning 11 games. I actually have them going under their total win total. But 11 games is nothing to scoff at. It's still good enough to be tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know exactly how the tiebreakers would work, so I don't know exactly who would win the division. But I imagine the Cincinnati Bengals would find a way to win it. Um, I have them losing to the Browns week one and losing to the Ravens week two, and then going on a really, really long run of Ws after that. Because again, I did mention earlier that they typically start slow, and I think they might have some growing pains with some of their guys in their secondary. But I'm really not concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals at all, and they will be a Super Bowl contender once again so that's gonna be it for me guys obviously this episode is a little bit shorter than last time I just had a little bit less to say and i realized that i kind of dragged out last episode a little too much i probably talked about the bears a little too much too but whatever i <laughs> it's my team i don't care i'm gonna do it that's just how i roll so if you enjoyed this episode be sure to like let me know you can rate this podcast here on spotify i'd really appreciate that if you can follow me over at instagram it's the same tag murphy's league be sure to follow me there I really appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Have a great rest of your day and peace out.